Ale Wives, a podcast about beer, history, beer history, and especially celebrating the women who make them. Join us as we share our journey in home brewing, explore the history of beer and specific styles, taste new ones, and talk with other women who brew, study, make a living, and enjoy drinking beer. This podcast is a love letter to beer and brewing, and is not the definitive source of the history of brewing. You are joining us on our personal mission to learn more and to share what we learn with our listeners. We are in no way experts, but we are passionate novices wanting to better understand this world we both love. Okay, we gotta do this. Yep. We gotta do this. <laughs> I don't know where we were. I think we said hello. Hey, Fury. Hey, Karma. <laughs> How's it going? Um, apparently really slow. <laughs> We're just going to keep restarting this thing until yeah, yeah. we get our energy back. Yeah. I think eating right before was maybe the... It's maybe not a great idea. Yeah, because I'm feeling much more chill. You're going to hear lots of sniffles. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, sorry about that. We're sniffly. Um, nobody's sick. It's just it's winter just, in Texas. It got <clears throat> cold. Quote, unquote. Yes. <laughs> Air quotes. It got cold, meaning below 50 yeah it was like 38 this morning yeah oh shit that's cold that's that's cold that's cold but speaking of cold if you need something to keep you warm we got hoodies we have hoodies and they're cool hoodies yeah yeah very cool it's very simple just the alewives logo Mm -hmm. that you see on all the socials yep across the front no or back or back you can choose you can choose front or back i personally like it on the back yeah because they're zip up hoodies yeah, so it zips through the yeah. center of the yeah. But logo. I think like I think we have them in black and gray. Mm-hmm. And we also have ladies cut ladies cut t-shirts mm-hmm. and tank tops. I think. Yep, I think tank tops and then regular t-shirts. And yeah, regular unisex cut yep. shirts, and they're which all... really technically just means dude shirts. They don't. They're not cut in at the waist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you can you can find them and and purchase them, and. Um, there's actually a link to them on our website. Yeah, alivespodcast.com. On the heading, there's a thing that says shirts. Take it right to the store. Yay! Yeah, hey, um, shirts. and they're good shirts. We've we've I've ordered our shirts, of course, mm-hmm. but also some other shirts that they've done, and they do a pretty good job. They're Excellent. very soft. Yes, they are soft. I can <laughs> can confirm. Several people have bought them and have mm-hmm. been happy with them. It's super fun getting their. Uh, Getting all their see. photos yeah. yeah of their shirts it's been <laughs> it's super it's like we're official yeah i know right <laughs> so yeah if you want to rep the, your your favorite ale lives yeah feel free to check out the website alelivespodcast.com and find the link for shirts yep and grab yourself one yeah and 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 if sometimes they run sales on designed by humans and oh, so if we see those um, we'll share them so that you can get them on sale yeah yeah because we don't get to put them on sale but sometimes they do the store they'll just do it like on a gotcha um yeah we had another shirt that was kind of limited release with the beer and body girls um craft beer girls uh that was all about alewives Mm -hmm. and the like kind of history of alewives Mm -hmm. and not to spoil too much of our episode but... I mean, the title is <laughs> probably going to spoil the episode. We are finally going to talk about what Alewives, like, where that name comes from, who they were, their history, that kind of very, 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 very big, like, 
high level um, timeline of women in beer throughout history. Cool. And I would have loved to have segued into that later in this part of the <laughs> episode because no. we'll get to it. But in the meantime, there are a few things that, that I know we wanted to chat about yeah. anyway. So. Yeah. But in addition to the website, yeah. or in addition to the shirts, check out the website. There's lots. You can find all the places to listen to us, um, blog posts with all the links to our resources, uh-huh. our Patreon. If uh-huh. you're interested in becoming a patron, you can donate any. I mean, it's a. Um, pretty small range that we've got. Yeah, up we have there, an so. we have an open amount. Yeah, range. you can add in what you want. Um, yeah. We have a PayPal pal mm-hmm. if you just want to do one a one time kind of deal, mm-hmm. like buy us a six pack or something. That's yeah. groovy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So feel free to find us there. Yep. 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 Um, but I wanted to talk to you. Uh oh. Specifically about NA beers have been a real conversation. This, mm-hmm. like, season, this month especially, because it is dry January. It is. And so a lot of places are being encouraged to offer mm-hmm. more options for people who, like yourself, yeah. are going through the month without any alcohol. Yes. Save our tasting that we're going to do for the episode. Yes. But- I'm making an exception <laughs> for this. Yeah. But we're going to share something, so. Yeah. It sounds like maybe in the UK they're a, li- a little bit more common, mm-hmm. or at least more readily available. Like, people were throwing out names of NA beers, that, that, and I was just like, well, I don't, hmm. they don't really have a whole lot of that, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it does seem like a few of the big guys are kind of getting on board, mm-hmm. along with making seltzers. They are now looking into the, the world of NA beers. Weird. Um, so if you hear that term, it's kind of, I feel like, it's just not a common one to hear. So if someone's like, oh, yeah, yeah do you have any N.A. beers? Well, now you know that that means non-alcoholic beer. All right. I think it's an interesting conversation that they're having about there's been a whole lot going back and forth. And I'm really interested in your take on the Dry January since you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Is that like. So it's a rough month for bars and pubs and all that kind of right. stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be without Dry January just People have spent, overspent over their holidays. They're kind of raining it back in. Mm-hmm. They're not eating out as much. You know, all these kind of things mm-hmm. to do with the new year mm-hmm. and, like, resolutions we make and all that. Um, but then there's this, like, so one contingent is, like, what does it matter if you're just not drinking for one month? Who cares? Like, these bars need your business, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, it's not my, it's not actually my job to keep them, like. Right. Well, and my measly couple beers right. aren't going to keep them in business. Right. But it was, it's started an interesting conversation about, like, what bars could offer in, mm-hmm. in, in instead. So having some really decent kind of mocktails or zero-proof drinks or whatever you want to call them, um, juices that are fresh Mm -hmm. and you know different types of mineral water whatever like just having other offerings but there is like a growing interest in non-alcoholic beer and people are brewing it more and that way people get to enjoy the flavor they like and get the you know the social atmosphere but Mm -hmm. have something that doesn't have to do with alcohol yeah and as far as those who are like well it should just be moderation or, I mean, everybody's going to approach this however they need to approach it. Yeah. Um, but I th- read this really brilliant Twitter thread, and I'm really kicking myself for not making a note of who it was uh-huh. um, so that I could mention it. But she was basically like, look, I did this once, and 
um, here are some of the benefits to doing it fully dry and not just moderation. And mm-hmm. one of her of her many points was, um, especially people who are in the beer industry or who somehow are associated associated with it, mm-hmm. our like moderation is probably not the same as right. like other people's moderation. Mm-hmm. And the CDC has, like, guidelines around what they consider, like, moderate drinking versus Mm -hmm. heavy drinking. And for a woman, it's, like, five beers a week kind of thing is moderate. And the fact is, if you work in the beer industry, you're You're definitely having more than that. For sure. Um, So, anyway, it was – her thread was really interesting. So, she was just, like, you know, everybody can do what they want to do. Like, their relationship Mm -hmm. to it is their relationship, and that's – um, you know, moderation is obviously the if you're going to drink, the best way to go about it and mm-hmm. all that. But that dry January has some real benefits. Yeah. So I, I yeah. don't know. I don't know how I would like. I'm interested in your dry January experience and kind of how you're feeling about that. And like, is that something that would make you more likely to go places or if they had any options? I mean, I think for me, no. Yeah. It wouldn't make me okay. more likely to go there. <clears throat> but mostly because if I'm going to not drink, I'm not going to drink anything that's going to make me think I'm drinking a beer. It's not going to make me, it's just going to make me, I don't know, kind of like miss the beer part. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to avoid it, I'm just going to avoid it, I guess. is. I don't know. I mean, I don't think, I don't think I would be more likely to go somewhere. Just because they had a non-alcoholic option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't okay. think I would. Yeah, I mean, just, just a curiosity. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I found this to be interesting, and it was great because I was still able to go to the bar or to the brewery with mm-hmm. my friend that I had gone on the walk with and not have any effects from alcohol going into yoga <laughs> yeah. so yeah so i still got to enjoy the brewery and not just order water have something mm-hmm. different that was flavorful that still did taste like beer because i'm kind of doing it's not dry january but it's definitely a much more limited mm-hmm. um and it's not just january i think it's going to be a longer term thing than that but uh just limiting my consumption mm-hmm. to yeah. weekends only and even then trying to be good about yeah how i do that on weekends so um so having the option where I still get to have the drink and be in the place and do the social thing, uh, I find interesting. Mm-hmm. I like it. So what kind of revelations have you had in your first couple weeks? Any? The first week was kind of hard because normally if I'm when I'm cooking dinner, I'll have a beer or mm-hmm. a glass of wine or something. And I really wanted one, the first week mm-hmm. but I, I'm okay to not like I don't even think about it now um, it was kind of weird to go to a brewery and hang out with some friends mm-hmm. um, my I guess like I don't want to say attention span but my like tolerance of being in the loud brewery mm-hmm. with all the people is, was much shorter mm-hmm um, and it, I was more like agitated with just just the noise level and the people and everything that was going on around me mm-hmm. um, than I would have been if I'd have been drinking. 
but that's I mean that's just me being an anxious person well yeah and uncomfortable around crowds of people um and the only other thing that I've noticed is that I've started substituting when I would be at a brewery with like going on a bike ride or going to hot yoga mm-hmm. or going skating or something. Right. Which is never a bad thing. No, right. So it doesn't, I mean, I guess it doesn't, doesn't hurt that it's was like gorgeous a couple weeks. Yeah. It has been really beautiful. In a row. It's been pretty nice. Yeah. So uh, that that's really it. Yeah. I thinking back to when I did it, I I don't remember any like really Mm-mm. life altering or mind opening experiences. I mean, maybe I was sleeping a little better, but I really I didn't really notice that yeah. either. Um, you know, obviously not drinking means I don't get groggy from drinking. Mm-hmm. So like over this past weekend, we did a bit of drinking. Um, and Saturday we had gone to Brash like midday or mid afternoon. And I had two beers, Mm -hmm. one, I mean, one, I guess a little high, not terribly, like 8%, and the other, it's like a five. Mm -hmm. But then for the rest of the day, I was pretty much useless. Like, I don't know what it is about day drinking specifically, Yeah. but I kind of came home and just chilled out and like, well, I didn't really get to chill out. I had like a million things to do, but... You know, I tried to spend some time with the cats because they had been neglected for a while mm-hmm. and then had to pack up and head out again. But, like, all of that was very hard. Mm-hmm. And so I just think it's fine not doing that. You know, I don't have those effects when I'm not, Yeah, obviously, when yeah. I'm not drinking. But Yeah. I, I, I have been, like, less kind of, like, groggy. I, I have been probably sleeping better, but I was attributing that more to the extra exercise yeah, that I've been getting totally. in the time outside in the sun and the cool, but mm-hmm. it could be that. It could be a combination. Who knows? Right. Yeah. It is hard it. to tell when you're changing multiple behaviors. Yeah. All you can show is maybe a correlation, but you can't be sure that right. this is what was doing. Right. But I mean, by not drinking, you are doing those things more. So yeah. Yeah. They I mean, I'd much go rather go on a bike ride. And then, then sit and watch my friends drink beer. Yeah. Just like I said, avoid the whole thing altogether. Right. It's... No, yeah. I get it. No. Cut it all out. Everything. Totally get it. But totally. I still, I still did yoga at Brash and hung out. I, you know, it's not... I'm not, like, not doing the normal things, but... Right. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I'm interested, interested to see how it all shakes out, like, by the end of the month and sort of what you're thinking. Yeah, feeling. I mean, we're almost there. We're almost there. Oh, God, are we? It's like the... It's the yeah, 20th. We are recording on the 20th. We are recording on the 20th. We just got off of a phone call that was pretty exciting. Yeah, we did. Um, that I'm not sure we're ready to tell you no, guys about. No, we can't about. tell you <laughs> too much, but um, it was pretty exciting. Yeah, we're going to get to do some fun stuff with some cool people, mm-hmm. and we'll, we're excited to tell you about it, just not yet. Just not yet. Um, something we can tell you about is that this season we're trying to approach it a little more strategically, maybe. Uh, maybe. We're going <laughs> to add a little bit more structure in, see how that works, uh, in the form of really kind of mapping out some future episodes, um, more than just the kind of on-the-fly stuff that I've always done, but going more into some of the science behind brewing. So Fury's going to step in on quite a few of those and um, take on some of the, the different parts of brewing um but i think that'll actually work in beautifully to 
like the yeast episode that <clears throat> I'm planning and and we can kind of approach it a little more strategically. Yeah. We started off talking styles and we've had some great conversations with people in the industry, which we will continue to do. Like you'll still be hearing from folks mm-hmm. um, from around the area uh, who do beer, especially all those ladies who are, who are in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we're going to have hopefully some more focused, uh, yes. purposeful, like series of episodes. Yes. That'll kind of build on knowledge instead of randomly throwing some shit at you. Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. So this is our this is our plan. <laughs> it's our plan. It's ambitious. <laughs> it is. It's ambitious. It is ambitious. But uh, I think we're gonna get it together. Yeah. Um, it's especially ambitious considering that my derby schedule may be getting a whole lot busier. Yeah, totally. So maybe. Yeah, we'll see. I think so. Probably. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna call it now. Yeah. Well. Um, but speaking of structure and timeline and all that stuff, <laughs> uh, we are the Alewives and we've been around for almost a year now. Oh my god. Which is crazy. Yeah. And we've never explained our name <laughs> in any real depth. We've promised episodes about it. We right. mentioned kind of in general yep. what and who Alewives are. Um, but I have finally put together... Uh, at least one episode on it, and I think that there will be opportunities in the future to delve deeper. I'm especially personally interested in the, like, mythologies around some of the deities associated with beer very early on, and I just, I haven't done the deep dive on those, so that's, I think that could be a separate episode that's kind of fun about mm-hmm. s- more in-depth on the cultures around these uh, mm-hmm. Like or the brewing cultures at those times, but I have a bunch of papers. You're gonna hear like lots of, you know, ASMR rustling. type <laughs> rustling. <laughs> um, just right off the top, I used a ton of different resources. One of uh, a major one was Big Think. They mm-hmm. had a series of like short histories on beer. Mm-hmm. Um, what is this one? This is. Uh, brew hoppin they did quite a few that went through the eras like from ancient mesopotamia to um like egyptian rise of the roman empire all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um but one that i think is probably for all of the information condensed into one with really great writing and storytelling Mm -hmm. um is by heather hogan and it was i found it on autostraddle uh the website autostraddle.com and the title is Alewives, the Women Who Crafted Beer and Split Hell Wide Open. Which, nice. Well, yeah, we'll get to talk about what she meant by Split Hell Wide Open. Cool. Um, but it's like a it's a really short, like very succinct um, summation of of women in beer through time. Nice. So. All right, so we're gonna get into Alewives. Let's do it. Who they are, where they came from, all that good stuff. Well, it was 1984. <laughs> goes back considerably <laughs> further than that. Well, I was talking about this alewife. Oh, yeah. Oh, Come ha, ha, on, ha, ha, I'm ha, punny. Ha. Ah, good job. I make jokes. <laughs> uh, so, beer has been brewed since ancient Mesopotamia. Um, and historically by women up until the Middle Ages, which we'll talk a fair amount about once we get there. But I wanted to go all the way back to like 3500 BC. 
That's so a long time a ago. very long time ago mm-hmm. um and this is where like so to read from this this uh article that i mentioned earlier most historians agree that beer originated in the Sumerian settlement of Godin Tempe, which I guess, like, I didn't even realize they could say, here was the birth of beer. Like, oh, wow. This place during kind of this time. It was an outpost on the Silk, uh, Silk Road trade route between 3500 and 3100 BCE, um, where it became a staple of daily diets because it contained loads of nutrients from the grains used to brew it. And also, the water was boiled and cleaner than regular water so right. safer to drink all that good stuff typically these are like low abv beers these earlier beers they're not there to get you drunk no they're there to maybe ease some tension and give you some it's like enhanced water yeah basically okay. <laughs> arguably the wonders of the world are built on the backs of people drinking beer well yeah so the first really known beer recipe comes from a song, a hymn, to the goddess Ninkasi, who is a Sumerian goddess of beer. Oh, okay. Whoa. Yeah, right? So uh, they worship the, the stuff, obviously. I think mm-hmm. we have throughout history in our own ways. Um, but but historically, through that those times of ancient Sumeria, um, 1800 BC, there's uh, that's kind of when they have mention of Ninkasi so Mm -hmm. um and there is some and this is all like the the Middle East now okay it's kind of the area we would consider the Middle East now is uh kind of when civilization is sort of centralizing for the first time ever Mm -hmm. you know you have like nomadic tribes or individual tribes or families or whatever but you don't really have these large central governments and these kind of things start to form uh, beer was a source of daily nutrition, like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also easily consumable because it was made of all things that were there. So, right. like, lower classes could consume it as well as upper classes. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, like, wine or something like that. Um, and during that time, that's when Ninkasi became associated with beer and beer making. Um, yes. Yeah. So, Fury just pulled up an image of a, like, stained, stained glass, glass kind of, um, of Ninkasi. And if you look her up. You can, you'll see it. It's, it's one of the earlier. It's really cool. I like the bottom. It looks like beer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's holding a, grains in her hand. And, and hops and water. And she's, ugh. And so the only, like. Pretty cool. The first um, recognized beer recipe is in the hymn to Ninkasi that was written and sung, um, which I thought was really Is there fascinating. any record of what that how that went yes there is i chose not to include it um okay. but it's easy enough to, yeah it's easy enough to find and look okay. up i mean it's a translation too from an ancient text so okay so who knows but it it kind of goes through like she was the goddess of beer but she was also beer it was like yeah it was a mythology that i didn't they don't not a whole lot is known about her i think this was sure. kind of during time a time when things weren't like written down they were passed down orally sure. right so yeah. So that kind of gets back to the heart of beer and what it was all up through the the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. It was familial. It was usually matrilineal. It was passed mm-hmm. down from from mother to daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and always, the reason it was the world of women is because it was done at home while the men were out working, and it was still considered part of like the life of a woman, the domestic. Duties. Yes, exactly. The the domestic mm-hmm. duties, quote unquote, okay. of a woman. Um, but before we get into that, Sorry. there 
No, it's okay. Um, I just want to make sure I like kind of focus and stick to my <laughs> my guide or mm-hmm. yeah, my timeline. Your outline. Um, Dogfish Head has yeah. a beer that they have brewed, Ta Hinket, <laughs> which is maybe one of the only beers out now that is true to an ancient style. Oh, okay. Um, that was that was actually the reason I was asking. I was like. Yeah, could you make make the recipe? Right, yeah. So they're, uh, maybe not from that, because it's not very specific, not Mm -hmm. from that hymn, but, but like, some of the oldest known Sumerian, like, recipes that were recorded Mm -hmm. in any fashion. Um, Yeah, Dogfish Heads, Tahinket, Great Lakes Brewing um, from our, and not the the brewery that our, our friends up in... Like the oh, Chicago the, area. the bearded hops guys? Yeah. Mm. Isn't that the one that they mention a lot? I feel I like it maybe. is. So Great Lakes Brewing has the their Sumerian like brew. Michigan area. Yeah, thing. right. Um, Anchor Brewing has their Sumerian brew experiment. But it says that Dogfish Heads is probably the only like original Actual. recipe available on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was cool is that it's not just Ninkasi. Like, there, there are quite a few goddesses associated with beer throughout like ancient history and things like that. You had um like Finland and Norway had a goddess of beer. And I, I'll probably work them in later because they're in weird notes randomly yeah. stashed throughout this whole thing. But uh some of the ones worth mentioning. Um you know what's interesting is all of this is very much to do with the Western world. And I I really want to dig deeper into the East and like the Far East mm-hmm. and see if there are any, I just feel like it's left out. I feel like beer brewing had to have been part of that too. I mean, maybe not. Maybe it was more like the sakes and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. um, and other types of like Japanese wines and stuff. But I'm curious mm-hmm. if they also had deities to these kinds of things, sure. and if that was also the woman's world or not. Yeah. Um, these just feel very <clears throat> focused on a anyway a specific um, region. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Akala, or Akla, A-C-C-L-A, from the Incan culture, so South American or South American, um, is said to be the keeper of fires, who also brewed beer. Um, (laughs) And what was interesting about that is that there's some debate about whether or not that's, like, the name given to the goddess or the name given to the virgins of the temples that did these duties. So, Mm -hmm. like, or maybe it was both, you know, maybe... It was the goddess, and it became that sort of thing. Um, in the British Isles, Albion is a goddess of beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ragutin, I'm sure I've pronounced that incorrectly. It's Lithuanian, so oh. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, but that is one of three gods to be associated with brewing, and it was a fe- uh, she was the female amongst two other men. Um, and they each had, like, different parts of the brewing process but there in my notes you can see the the photo that you pulled oh, up oh <laughs> i like that, that the stained glass, stained glass. yeah it's nice uh so ancient mesopotamia samaria beers born as far as we can tell always female driven um this continues on in other cultures outside of of the middle east mm-hmm. and moves into like um the viking culture so that was the other kind of part again like i said we're it's all a pretty heavy focus on I have no doubt that Latin America and Africa have deep histories in this, too, that go back pretty far. And it may just come down to what we have records of, what's easily accessible. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd be really interested to see what that looks like in other parts of the world. This 
feels very focused on the West, but um, in Viking culture, the men went out, marauded, and whatever they did, hunted, all that kind of stuff, and the women stayed home and they brewed the beer. And and some by some accounts that I've read, like they were, it was very specific to them. Like men weren't allowed. Like it was very much their responsibility their world. and everything. Yeah. yeah. Um. And it was a really important part of, of what they got from it, you know? Oh, here's the mm-hmm. Ninkasi. Uh, I knew I had it somewhere. Oh, okay, cool. Um, women brewing in the Viking Age. This is like, so we've, we've moved from the 3500 to 3100 BC, then 1800 ancient Samaria, and then 790 to 1066 AD. So now we're kind of crossing that line and we're moving into more like quote-unquote modern history. Um, the Vikings... And there, it was also matrilineal, passed down through oral history. There's not a ton of really great information about all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but even one of the things I thought was really interesting is that there are some kind of leftovers from this culture of mm-hmm. brewing um, from this article. And I think this is one of the Brew Hoppin articles. Uh, it says, as with Brewsters of old... Those seeking to provide an authentic drink to the modern world utilized the sticks. They had a totem stick. They, they, they called it a totem stick. And it was the stick that they used to boil to or to stir, stir their wort. Mm-hmm. And they would store it because it contained the yeast that was passed down oh, okay. from beer to beer. Uh-huh. So the totem was like this magic, was the magic stick, stick that like <laughs> uh, housed their yeast. So, All right. Uh, this stick, which carries anywhere from a single yeast strain to multiple strands for the purpose of brewing, the totem stick is used to stir the wort after it is cooled, thereby providing the necessary organisms to create their drink of choice, ale or mead or whatever it was. Yeah. So I guess they would have like a stick. Yeah. Maybe for different lines. I don't I don't yeah. know. But these were passed down did. as a family heirloom That's from super cool. brewer to brewer to brewer. That's really cool. Um it sounds like maybe these things are still kind of are they're 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 known about, they're understood, and maybe some people still use mm. them. Um so aside from the, the totem stick, um Viking women brewed with whatever was available, right? So mm-hmm. this is like before hops, this is like when you just brewed with whatever you had. And so there was a lot of juniper. Um, mm. uh, there were a lot of things that were really unhealthy for you in certain doses. Like there was a plant, ergo or ergot, uh, which is similar to LSD, henbane, which is a nightshade. Um, and all of these things are, you know, potentially, they use something called whorehound, which was a hop alternative. Um <clears throat> So potentially poisonous. So potentially poisonous. But women of this, like, in the, these communities were sometimes called shaman, vulva, volor. Vulva was an interesting, it's V-O-L-V-A, just to be clear. Volor and priestesses, they were elevated. Um, and women with elevated brewing status coined the word brag or brag, um, which referred to Brewster's foretelling the future under the influence of the ale they brewed so like so drunken rambling stuff like that yeah yeah yeah. so <laughs> like <it>. visions <laughs> that you get while you're drinking but it, when you're drinking something that has lsd like in it with, or something yeah, like that some hallucinogenic yeah plants. so it's interesting i would be very curious to know what the effects of like ancient viking beers might have been um of course we have lots of tales of vikings kind of losing their ever-loving minds and you know they <laughs> were known That's to be such fierce awesome 
Right, but yeah. it could very well be that some of these things are... Um, Went are... crazy from their LSD beer. Yeah. So, interestingly, though, because of what they were made of and because of how it was, um, only women were allowed to maintain the recipes mm-hmm. and the techniques, um, which is, I think, why there was so little known. Like, we, we can't go back and, like, really understand because they didn't keep written records. Sure, yeah. They just passed it down, mm-hmm. mother to daughter, and so on and so on. Um was uh in a viking grave discovered recently a woman was found buried with wine strainers glass beakers drinking horns ladles and a cauldron so obviously that was her thing like she was obviously a master brewer and was known for it and that's really cool cool? yeah i think that's really neat those totems were also considered sacred which makes total sense because you know uh we've talked about before yeast was was once called like it was basically like god it was the god particle it was the yeah the yeah, present from god or back. yeah yeah um gift of god that's what it, that's what yeah. it was yeah. it used to be called the gift god of god particle. <laughs> because well so isn't that uh dmt don't they call i don't know DMT? anyway um so yeah it was the thing that kind of brought life and created yeah beer it was the mysterious just thing dirty understood yeah just a dirty <laughs> stick um, but as, oh yeah, here it's talking about uh, as usual. The male, male counterparts made trouble for Brewsters of the time by loading up on drink and other powerful ahem, herbs before <laughs> battling and going berserk. So okay, uh, and this dudes actually has dudes. some hmm? dudes being dudes. Yeah, yep. getting shit faced and fucking everything up. Yeah, fucking everything up. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Just kidding. Sorry. Um. And so then things shifted for the Vikings, like uh, the Romans come in and kind of fuck everything up. And so the Viking matrilineal lines get lost and, you know, these women have to flee their homes because mm-hmm. they're being raised to the ground. Um, and interestingly, this all kind of leads into uh, the Middle Ages. So the Roman Empire kind of rises. You see actually in ancient Egypt a fall in the number of female brewers or or maybe not a fall in that but more a rise in more men brewing so mm-hmm. it becomes more normal for men to brew as the roman empire kind of moves in um and but even in ancient egypt you see in hieroglyphs and things like that depictions of women brewing mm-hmm. and it's a whole thing um <clears throat> okay let me get back on my track so i can make sure i'm doing what i'm supposed to do uh I don't know where exactly this anecdote fits in, but I think it's important to note. So women have had such, I, I, it exists for them, right? Or because of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's arguable that like a lot of the, the kind of furthering of technology and things like that can be attributed to some men who took on beer, but Um, There is St. Hildegard, a German nun. Mm -hmm. She was also queer, which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, In one of the histories that I was reading, I really recommend that auto-stable article. It was just really good. Uh, Talks about her, and she was the one who first thought of and suggested the use of hops in beer. So we use hops in beer because a woman said they're a preservative, they're... Mm -hmm. um, a bittering agent and they're just good for overall I guess like in her mind health but it kept the beer healthier mm-hmm. longer right uh what was also funny that I read anecdotally was that she really felt that men wouldn't appreciate the hop though so it would never catch on mm. 
Uh, oh, that's kind of funny. <laughs> but anyway, so a woman is, is really, like, which makes sense, because if yeah. we've used hops as far back as all that, then then you know, a woman had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. So once I'm we... I'm surprised that they listened and tried it. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would like to read more about her. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like her story is very fascinating, and I don't know. And what, what year about... I don't say? know. Oh, See, that's why I'm, okay. I'm not, I'm just not 100% sure. I, I don't know. Maybe one of the articles says and I missed it. I'm not sure. No, I think she's worth looking into. Oh, here we go. Here's some more information. Um, this is from that, that article. Uh, it says the history of beer is rampant with men violently wrenching the art of brewing from the women who created, perfected, and sustained it. But <laughs> I, I love that. I, I love yeah, that I sentence. <laughs> just thought I'd go ahead and get that in there. But like all women-centric history, it's also replete with tales of women who kept their craft secrets out of the hands of men. And it refers to her as queer nun, Hildegard of Bingen, or mm-hmm. Bingen, or whatever, uh, nursing a broken heart from the death of her lover, who was sent away from Hildegard's abbey when her brother uncovered their relationship, discovered the benefits of hops and beer, both as a preservative agent, or a preservation agent, and a taste modifier. In her journal, extolling the virtue of hops, however, she noted, they wouldn't be useful to men. It makes the soul of man sad, she wrote. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Makes so, the soul of men sad. <laughs> right. That's great. I love it. So we kind of move from the Viking Ages and the Roman Empire into the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. And this is where I feel like so much of our history comes from. And that's partially because it is a, a very centralized um, <clears throat> culture. It There's a lot of written history now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, like, you know, playwrights and historians mm-hmm. and the churches are keeping um, history and all this stuff. So... We have a lot more to go on from here. Mm-hmm. So about the 1300s, this is where the term alewife is born. Mm. Uh, it's a similar situation. The women keep the homes. They brew beer because that's part of homemaking and domestic life. And they're given the name alewife, especially the ones who, who maybe made extra and were able to sell it. Mm-hmm. They were coined alewives or brewsters or beer witches. Um so this is where everything shifts and changes. And I don't, you know, I'm reading a bunch of articles and hopefully I've put together the timeline in my head right. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure I've missed some things and I'm, I'm maybe some of the articles have been incorrect, so bear with me. But 1300s, interestingly, post-Black Plague, you families decimated sure. probably millions of people. I, I can't remember the numbers for a Black lot. Plague. It was a whole lot. Um but now all of a sudden you have uh, women who maybe have lost their families. Mm-hmm. So if they're brewing, they don't have anyone to brew it for. You have people, men or whoever, are drinking the beer who don't have the mothers anymore. So their their matrilineal like history and knowledge and all that has gone. Um, and so there becomes this kind of supply and demand thing. Uh, I think it's worth noting before we get into this too much more. The other thing about brewing beer, it really required a knowledge of herbs and spices and the way they work together. And while scientifically they may not have understood it, they understood it. They right. like 
had learned what the herbs did and what their purposes were and what they treated and what they, you know, all these kind of things. Yeah, and if they're working with potentially poisonous things, they know just how much you can put in there before it kills somebody or makes somebody sick. Right. What might neutralize, if anything, would neutralize some of the effect or whatever. Yeah. Totally. Totally And and I mean, as a woman, you're also there to to do the caretaking. So knowing what herbs soothe an ache Mm -hmm. or heal a cut or so they they have this knowledge, many women, not just specific (laughs) ones, but in general, there's some level of knowledge. And this will kind of play into it a little bit later. Um, But during the plague as well, it became common to put this six pointed star on a door to mark like purity, meaning the house was clean or hadn't been touched by the plague or something like that. And that's going to play into our alewives myth as we go forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, that, that the plague being this turning point for women going from, it was not uncommon for some women, especially who had maybe big families who could help with some of the domestic chores or whatever to maybe brew more than they needed and then sell that excess mm-hmm. elsewhere. I mean, that's, that was pretty normal. Uh, but I wouldn't say they formed, like, major businesses out of it, you mm-hmm. know. But some of them were successful in these kind of almost beer halls grew out yeah, of those places, Yeah, that was places, what I was about right? to say. Is that how, like, the the beer house or, yeah. like, an ale house or something got started? I really think so. It's someone who, who was very good at it, <clears throat> who was maybe very sought after, mm-hmm. and saw this opportunity to, to do these things. So then after the plague and... And at least this one article suggests that that's the turning point. It makes sense as being one of them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it was the only thing, but certainly one of them. Mm-hmm. It, it, the supply and demand picture is very clear to me in my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, fashion-wise, women wore hats, and usually tall hats. But women who sold beer tended to wear them extra tall to be able to be seen over a crowd. Or at least this is the myth. So... It's hard to know how much is true and how much isn't because there are some people who really, like, argue against it. And mm-hmm. then it's also just been collectively added to the zeitgeist. So it's just part of the, like, it's just canon now. This is just right. fact of, this, yeah. of the history, even though maybe it's not fact. But um, women were able to start building. So in, in filling this gap and selling their beer, there is a level of autonomy that women achieve by owning these recipes and being able mm-hmm. to do them themselves. So these are our widows or mothers or whatever it is who are young, maybe young women who are not married or older women, whatever. Um, and they're now free from this kind of patriarchal control. Mm-hmm. They don't need to be married into a family <clears throat> to make money. They yeah. don't need to have more children to you know work the farm, whatever it might be. They're making their living this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that does not sit well with, essentially with the church is kind of what it comes down to. Um, which of course the church is central to everyone's lives at this point. Um, and then the always unexpected Spanish Inquisition happens. (laughs) Um, we all know that that no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, it's like 1400, 1500. Amongst many other things. Obviously, the Spanish Inquisition had a lot to do with many, many things. So we're talking just about beer, which is brewer, brewsters, alewives. Mm-hmm. Um, they had already obtained too much control. They were no longer bought and paid for into different families. They had their own con- their their own autonomy, mm-hmm. and that wasn't 
That was not cool. Well, it just gave them too much say, too yeah. much power. And if they had economic power, then they could start having political power. And mm-hmm. if they had political power, then they could start, like, really changing culturally how things are done. Well, and that's can't not that. acceptable. Right. Not for people in power. <clears throat> they don't want to share or change that or acknowledge that or anyway. So, um, let me let me go through my little notes here and see if there's anything mm-hmm. I haven't mentioned that I thought was interesting. Um, no, this is all, I feel like I'm, oh, okay. So before we again, get into all of that, I would say that, um, across the, the continent, like especially Europe and things like that, um, in these different towns during like 1330s, 1340s, and this time leading up to the Spanish Inquisition, nearly a third of women in each of these places was a brewer and sold her beers and, like, was known for doing that. Like, it was a huge part of the population uh, accounted for beer and for beer sales. Mm-hmm. Um, so to promote beer, and this is kind of the, the part that's that gets kind of fun and into the mythology of things, and maybe it's true, maybe it's not, I don't know. But to promote beer, like I was saying, they wore the tall hats, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in some cultures, and it's my understanding that even now in like Peru and modern day Peru, the broom outside of a door indicated mm-hmm. like a, a, a like domestic trade mm-hmm. or, or whatever, like something that someone had for trade mm-hmm. in a home. That six pointed star was, of course, put over the doors of homes that were marked as like pure mm-hmm. or being unaffected by the plague. And that sort of continued on as just it was sort of adopted into the. Right. The cultural, like, understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's also one of those things that they tend to talk about is that, you know, breweries were known to have, the, like, many cats to keep the mice out of the grain stores and things like this. So if you can imagine, we're putting all these things together and you have, like, the big totem stick and the cauldron that they're brewing their wort in or they're boiling their wort in, and you start to really see the shape of what we know as the very standard, stereotypical witch, right? Um, So what we see in our pop culture now, arguably, and I say arguably because some people have argued against this as an idea, uh, can be attributed to, like, um, yeah, alewives. So all of these things have since become part mm-hmm. of our, like, what we assume are witches and mm-hmm. can be traced back, maybe, to alewives um, of the Middle Ages. Mm-hmm. But the reason that we see them now as witches instead of as alewives, that we don't know these things, comes down to a rather evil and brilliant uh, scheme on the part of a few different things. The churches, because again, they were, they lose power when they lose control and autonomy equals lack of control. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the brewers guilds that start forming in cities with men, mm-hmm. men form their guilds and now they have some political power. They have monetary power, like collective monetary power. And we'll see how that kind of plays into it. Um, one thing I did want to say, I, I uh, read somewhere in one of these um, beer hopping or brew hopping articles, the six points of the star mm-hmm. are said to symbolize um, the most important important parts of brewing: hops, grain, malt, yeast, water, and of course the brewer herself. 
Um, I don't know how true that is because actually I think that that symbol, as we'll see, is um, is more associated to Judaism. Mm-hmm. And this is where things, I feel like, really start to turn. So you have this breakdown of power already, mm-hmm. or the perceived lack of power on the part of the church. And now you have these women who have knowledge of herbs, who can heal people with a, a potion, um, who can intoxicate men and control their minds through the intoxicant, and who have the, they are the sole, you know, arbiters of this, of this trade. Um, and the star was uh, just one more massive affront to Catholicism at the time, specifically because they were trying to eradicate Judaism. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was so closely associated with the Jewish faith that it just really became another, another little place that they could be like, look, this is how they are evil, and mm-hmm. this is why. Um, and it gave them that in. But, uh, oh, how did this go? Yeah, so so money and history and all these things come together to sort of equal the downfall of the alewife. And not just the downfall, but the vilification. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, women were vilified generally, and we know a little bit about, like, the witch hunts that have happened mm-hmm. here in our own but, I mean, the U.S. is not – they happened long before in other mm-hmm. places, right? Um, and these are almost almost exclusively – there are a few men who have been accused of being witches, but not many, mm-hmm. mostly women. And mostly women <clears throat> who just happen to be very knowledgeable, maybe very, set, like, um, secluded, who weren't married or who didn't have children, who didn't fit some societal norm, um, but were also wise and autonomous. They were seen as – bad evil um, i guess we're witches yes for sure 100 <laughs> percent. um so interestingly there's there's an article that this article references or maybe a book it's a book that she references that i actually really sounds interesting to me i'd like to read it's called the dark side of christian history by helen ellersby uh, and a quote from it is, uh, reversing its policy of denying the existence of witches in the 13th century, the church began depicting the witch as a slave of the devil. No longer was she to be associated with an older pagan tradition. No longer was the witch to be thought of as a benevolent healer, teacher, wise woman, or one who assessed divine power. She was now evil mm-hmm. and consorted with the devil. Um, the Inquisition, of course, is a place where, like, history sort of teeters on a, you know, it's like on a top. It was such a major mm-hmm. focal point. Of, um, and this is kind of where the church takes firmer control, uh, of course, through torture and mass murder and things like that. Um, and that's when men start to find their way into the beer trade through, like, a stricter accordance to church teachings and laws about women's place in yeah uh so it kind of took away some of the rights that women had hours Mm -hmm. of operations were kind of formalized for breweries recipes were formalized they were taken from the homes where they existed and like then you start seeing later on after the inquisition like true like the first like guild laws being enacted specifically stating that women were not allowed and did not have the capacity or the um, whatever, fortitude or whatever you want to call it, to brew beer. And so it was a, a male-only trade. Um, so, yeah, it, hmm. interestingly, and it's what's fascinating to me is that you have these, like, social components, but then you really have these economic components, too. And, I mean, it, 
and they are all intertwined. There's no way to like separate them fully. So that's one part of it. But another part of it is that at this time, hops enter the the world of brewing. Mm-hmm. And they're a good addition for flavor, but they're also a really good addition for just preserving the beers and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and But they're not native, and they're not normal, and they're a new crop, and they're not, like, so they're very expensive. Mm-hmm. So, like, what is a woman who's brewing at home and, you know, making oh, a little yeah. money on the side? Yeah. She doesn't have the level of investment. But you have these men who have much more power and autonomy forming these guilds, and now they can pool their money, and now they have the clout. They have, like, the money to make these things happen Mm -hmm. and to purchase the hops in bulk and to brew these beers at a cost that's reasonable and all these things, and it further edges out women. Not only have they been vilified, and they're really, a lot of these things are taken from them already, but now there's this economic component that they cannot compete with anymore. Mm -hmm. Um... And so, yeah, it was, uh, it was, sounds familiar, ju- <laughs> like all of history. What was that sentence? Wrenched from the, yes, wrenched from the hands, yes. Um, yep. So anyway, the average female home brewer just didn't have the capacity to do those things. And as hops became the norm, um, <clears throat> they couldn't brew with them anymore. Yeah. And so they were more seen as, as whatever they were brewing was there to like, deceive men or to like make them monsters or somehow control them and and this propaganda that was just truly it was truly propaganda Mm -hmm. that was like built against women who homebrewed started so much so that the guilds would like donate to churches that were being built and in like as a a favor or like whatever in payment to them like a, a payback um giant stained glass works of art would depict the alewife in the like standard getup, you know, or what had become associated with her mm-hmm. holding her flagon of ale and like being carried off by demons into hell, literally into hell. So oh that comes God. down to that article that, that I mentioned yeah. and how it was like, um, and split hell wide open. Like yeah. they, and so, so there is this visual propaganda happening in the churches showing women, brewing beer in the thralls of the devil or being carried off by demons or doing some evil act herself um <clears throat> it's so anyway. funny that, that that rather than you know the substance being the thing from the devil it's us women working with the devil mm-hmm. rather than like oh maybe the beer no it's the women or how you're using it or how yeah. much you're imbibing yeah. or whatever um <sighs> That sounds so familiar. And it's not just beer that this happens to. The world of medicine shifts then mm-hmm. to men. Uh, again, like, women are viewed with suspicion mm-hmm. if they know how to heal someone or if they know herbal remedies. But men start to <clears throat> organize around these, like, guilds and these, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, um, clubs and stuff. And, and all of it becomes the world of men suddenly. And women are, are once again... Even though they're, they had always been the keepers of it. They had always been the ones who administered. It's now being, mm-hmm. um, yeah, taken from them. So, anyway. Uh, so, in the 1500s, yeah. this is kind of post-Spanish Inquisition. All of these things have already happened. Like, women are really no longer a part of the brewing mm-hmm. uh, process. But in the 1500s, the first enactment of standards of quality for food consumption um, are put out into the world. Of course, made those 
standards created by men and it just continues to further inch out Mm -hmm. women who are selling out of their homes because then they don't meet the standards of quality if they don't meet these right probably outrageous um standards and so they're no longer allowed legally Mm -hmm. to sell and then in 1540 uh there was one in particular there was one uh city or whatever um that enacted a law saying that barred women 14 to 40 from brewing beer. So any woman 14 to 40 could not brew beer. And I'm sure after 40, they probably weren't in the best of health to yeah, be able to in, continue period, yeah, if, they, if they if they lived, lived that long. point. So, um, so the matrilineal lines die. Like these mm-hmm. oral histories, these recipes over time uh, disappear. And women are edged further and further out and then in 1639 the london brewers guild made their constitution in which they explicitly exclude women from the world of brewing beer and they are unfit not only to brew it but to sell it as well Uh. so women are also removed from the like the sales side of things um yeah they were completely destined to hell as far as anyone was concerned if they had the tiniest bit of prosperity or perceived power or autonomy it was really a whole thing um concepts are so familiar absolutely this is a story that repeats itself over and over again and not just with women but with any oppressed or minority group like it it doesn't matter it's Mm -hmm. a repeat of the same tactics Mm -hmm. and the same because i guess they see it as losing power but i don't know like i just don't understand I don't, I don't, I have so much I don't understand. It's not even worth <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, so that's most of the, like, hardcore history. And now I just have some of these interesting little side notes and articles that I wanted to mention. I'm sorry, I'm, like, no, you're good, flipping you're through good. this stuff. I would have been better if I had it all in one place, but... Um, no, this is, this is much better. I... Oh, yeah, the ancient Egyptians, they worshipped a beer goddess named Tenenit. Uh, and I think I mentioned the hieroglyphs showing them brewing and things like that. The Finnish told of a legendary woman named Kalavatar. Uh, That's like Kale Vader, <laughs> is what it looks like. That's it. That's what we're going to call it. Kale Vader. <laughs> uh, who invented beer by mixing honey with bear saliva. So they have, like, their whole... Um, mythology around I mean, that sounds pretty gross. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, and there was this other article, The Dark History of Women, Witches, and Beer from Big Think, which I thought was interesting. And I wrote big on the front, anecdotes! (laughs) (laughs) So... Um, I'm sure a lot of this already crept into what I was talking about because I'd read it previously. So, yeah, this talks about um, about St. Hildegard um and feudalism bringing us out of the dark ages centralizing commerce all this kind of stuff um yeah yeah okay i mentioned all this stuff but oh yeah it was the city of chester uh i guess in the uk um barred women from Hmm. being able to brew beer um so, oh, this is where I read that uh, there are still places where women are still kind of the keepers, and some of the symbolism is still used, like in Peru, other parts of Latin mm-hmm. America, um, and and in Africa. And this, these are the places where I feel like 
the history is lacking and that mm-hmm. I want to do a little more diving into it to mm-hmm. see if I can find anything yeah. about it. But I think that all of this is to say that, shocker, <laughs> women played a major role. And I think that I, I've seen arguments, maybe not around this in particular, but arguments that, yeah, but when men took over, there were like all these leaps and bounds that were made. And that's because men had the autonomy to do those things where women right. didn't. If they could have organized in the same way, if they had the same like opportunity to do right, it, yeah. power, if they weren't fear of death or <laughs> or right. whatever um, for doing it, then the same things could have very well happened. Yeah. Or better. Or better. Um, might have hangover free beer. <laughs> wouldn't that be great? <laughs> One day. Uh, what's crazy is that this all like continues into the into our modern era. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1984, there was a Michigan law that forbade women from attaining a bartending license because they were not fit to do it unless that bar was owned by their father or husband. Oh, my God. Unless the man who owned them owned the brewery, they were not allowed to <laughs> bartend. Um, Hopefully that's no longer man, like, active. No. Why? Well, I, I mean, I can't imagine. There was a really great anecdote in that Autostraddle um, article that goes into, like, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's. So, so the man who the um, the judge or whatever who enacted these laws um was convinced by a friend to hire on this young woman as his intern and so he did it and that was Ruth Bader Ginsburg and she just started like rolling back all these laws and of that were used to oppress women and to keep them in their place and not allow them equal opportunity and she's played a massive role in um making sure that there are legal uh, safety nets and, and mm-hmm. laws saying that, no, you can't do that. Like, mm-hmm. you, have to, you have to let her do it too, damn it. She's my favorite for a reason. Yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah, she should be everybody's favorite. Yeah. She's pretty awesome. Yeah, she's pretty great. Um, but it just really shocked me, the amount of propaganda that the church put into this. It was Does massive. It no, it really? No, it doesn't. But, like... God, it's just so much work for something so stupid. But it's not stupid, because obviously there is money to be made. And yeah. so, like, even during the time of the Alewives, another, just another aspect of it, another economic aspect of it that folds into the guild thing is that there were, like, men who were brewing beer and who had the the capacity to brew it on a bigger scale. So mm-hmm. they did have better equipment and technology mm-hmm. and... They had people working on it and learning more, and so they were able to produce, like, massive quantity or mm-hmm. larger quantities right. um, with a very, like, you know, like your Budweiser's of today. They have a very exact recipe. It's a very, it's a very scientific approach. Mm-hmm. You're getting the exact same fucking beer every time, like, mm-hmm. and there's something to be said for that. So that was also part of that, too, is that, that men were starting to brew, and they, they were able to build economies of scale in a way that women would never be able to. Right given their resources. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, and it's just cool to know that, or to think that uh, those original Brewsters are also what gave us our witches now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. yeah, that's pretty cool. That's the story of the Alewives. <laughs> that's a lot. I know, I felt like that went on forever. <laughs> it, it did not. Okay, good. So I feel like there are some places where we can do some future epi- episodes when I have some time to do more. Mm-hmm. 
like real deep kind of I, I really do like the idea of the mythologies i would really I love to find the other goddesses that were um worshipped and mm-hmm. who were associated with beer yeah and i would like to see what i can find on other cultures yes. um and other than western cultures i would like to see about like asian cultures mm-hmm. african cultures things like that who mm-hmm. have who have these similar histories but there you go what you think yeah interesting not surprising that we got edged <laughs> no. out and that it had so and much to do was, with religion that it was church and and, and, and i didn't even get into like prohibition oh, and no. like all yeah, these no, other ideas about that's for another day how we how we look at alcohol um and how we treat it uh which is a whole different conversation mm-hmm. but, but that's just another way that they were able to vilify women as as mm-hmm. being like witches by addling men's mind not the beer they know is gonna do that it's a cool history though it is cool and it makes me like proud and sad yeah (laughs) um yeah but and it makes me really wish that there had been more of uh like especially in the viking culture and and things like that more writing it down um so we could get a more detailed idea Mm mm-hmm because you read a lot of stuff, and it's just a lot of assumptions, too, mm-hmm. so who knows. Yeah. But here we are. <laughs> so, I was thinking, <sighs> since we didn't talk beer type, but obviously tasting a beer is the thing we do, mm-hmm. um, well, I mean, we could forego that if you'd prefer not to, uh-huh. since you're doing your dry January. I mean, a, a taste, I think, is okay. I, I had planned to make ex- make the only exception before recording, you Sweet. know, so... So, I have a beer brewed by one of our local brewsters, um, Sydney at Southern Yankee. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is the Caber Toss, which is a wee heavy, but aged, I think. Okay. I actually need to check. So, quick break while <laughs> we get the beer while set up, check. and then we'll yep. be back. Okay. And we're back. Hello. Uh, I was incorrect about the beer I had. Yep. I have... It's from Southern Yankee, um, but it is their Mole Imperial Stout, bourbon barrel aged. It is a 10.3% ABV. I'm very excited about it. Um, Yes. I'm very excited about it. I'm a little concerned. (laughs) You poured me a lot. That's just such an interesting... Am I crazy, or is that banana? I'm smelling banana. Okay. So I'm going to smell it. I get some banana. It's like a, like, chocolate banana. (laughs) Good. So this is a super dark beer. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's an imperial stout. It's yep. totally opaque, practically black. black. Yeah. It poured up with a pretty good head, though. Yeah. And it's stuck around. Yeah. Mine's finally down. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's a bit of a quick pour. Well, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. And on the nose, there's just... I, I get a hint of that bourbon sweetness, but I think if I didn't know it was bourbon barrel aged, I wouldn't immediately pick up on no, that. No, definitely not. Maybe covering it. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. It's also very cold. It is also very cold. I did get a little more of the, like, alcohol on the on the very back of that. I do have a fresh coat of ginger lime chopstick on. Oh, you should wipe that off. <laughs> Before you drink, for sure. I didn't think about it. <laughs> Maybe sip some water. <laughs> and I've been avoiding putting on chapstick this whole time because my lips are dry as fuck and I just yeah so well, badly I want some. I was distracted. We but... were like, finish that water. <laughs> like, hurry up. 
I feel like I'm not, like, as it's airing out and, like, I'm not getting as much banana. Uh, yeah, maybe less. I feel like that's a weird thing to smell. Are my olfactory senses off? No, because I'm tasting it, to, or I'm smelling it, too. Okay. I mean, unless it's from all the onion, but I don't, that we cooked earlier. I don't <laughs> think. Onion and garlic, and, yeah. But, I mean, no, we wouldn't so. both smell the same thing, I don't think. No. Oh, it's got a nice, whoa. That's a lot of bourbon. <laughs> it had a nice burn, like, when it hit the tongue, you know? But then, whoo, it's a lot of bourbon. <laughs> you, I did not smell it. Maybe I did not warm, smell all of that not, not at that all. Much, no. Oh, no. my God. Ugh. I did not anticipate that. <laughs> it gave me, like, goosebumps the entire way down my body. Yeah, a second sip's going to be necessary. Right now, I find it very coating sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's an imperial stout. It's kind of, it yeah, should be. It should be. Thick yeah, and for sure. Coating. Mm-hmm. There's something about a bourbon bar- or a barrel aged something that has the sweetness to it that has everything to do with the alcohol it was aged on. It seems like you know. Mm-hmm. Um. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that is an intense beer. That is a slow sipper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I like it, though. I'm not mad at it. It's not the, probably the best option for me to jump back into drinking right. after Just three for... weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, Fortunately, it's not a full pour. I don't get no. the banana in the flavor at all. No, I don't either. Not even Weird. a little bit. No. I get that, that chocolatey bitter. All I get the is the burn from the bourbon. Bourbon! <laughs> and I don't know if I'm just out of practice, but that's, all I get is that burn on my tongue yeah, right now. So... And like tongue. down your throat and oh. like yeah, I definitely yeah. feel like I could use a sip of water after a couple sips of that. Mm-hmm. I do think it's, I think it's great. I, I like. I it think a lot. it'll be really good as it gets warmer. Yeah, I'm so I'm thinking if there's anything in there, it's probably those like, um, like fig or like if you were going to get something like that. I'm thinking of our tasting sheets that we once mm-hmm. again don't have in front of us. That's nah, fine. <laughs> so we're not walking through the whole thing. Um, there's not like a hop profile there. No. There's not like there's none it's of that. It's just bourbon. No, it's just bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> bourbon and like kind of chocolatey, like maybe a little spice, something that I I think as it warms up. I maybe. Might. Yeah. Maybe. That I'm not getting that yet. But like I said, I'm maybe out of practice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the burn in the back of my throat feels like I am drinking liquor. I'm not even kidding. Like, mm-hmm. it is there. You know, like, after you take that first sip mm-hmm. of whiskey, it just lingers in that in mm-hmm. the very, very back of your throat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have that thing. from two sips of this beer. <laughs> goddamn, goddamn. All right. Well, there you go. I mm-hmm. can't say that was, like, the best, most in-depth review. <clears throat> Dark as night. Yeah. Coats the tongue. Yeah. little burn of the bourbon A in the back here. <laughs> <laughs> a good bit of bourbon. A lot of bourbon burn. Mm-hmm. I, I can appreciate that, though. Yeah. I am. Um, 
Ooh, man, it just lingers there for so long. <laughs> it's interesting. I don't like whiskey or bourbon or any of those mm-hmm. things um, a whole lot. I There are some exceptions, which mm-hmm. is not my thing. But I do appreciate it in a beer. Like, yeah. Hmm. I like it. If you swish it around your mouth a little bit, mm-hmm. I can taste a little bit of the kind of cocoiness. Mm-hmm. But it's like a bitter. Yeah, cocoa. yeah. Not super sweet. Not like sweet chocolate. Yeah. I feel like the sweet is really coming from the bourbon. Mm-hmm. At least that's what it feels like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think we've done our tasting. <laughs> Check. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh. Hopefully, this episode was like. A little more on task, a little more straightforward. We got our chatting in, but we also, like, did a thing and learned you something. So hopefully you had some learning. And if you did, I would really like to, as always, we just love to hear from people. It's really fun when we Mm -hmm. get to talk to folks who are listening to the podcast. I'm so grateful for our many friends who are, like, just hardcore fans. Mm -hmm. And I honestly shout out to Bethany. She... (laughs) Posted our shit before I did. (laughs) The second she saw it pop, I'm just so grateful for that enthusiasm. Uh It's really nice to to have people, um, especially that I get to see and talk to and who are just so enthusiastic Mm -hmm. about it. It's really awesome. But yeah, I I picked at her a little bit on Facebook. So I was like, damn, girl, I haven't even put it up on our our socials yet. She's like, I was just too excited. That makes me so happy. but yeah, we love the interaction. We love hearing mm-hmm. from folks. Uh, if you're a lady in beer, reach out to us. Like, if yeah. you're interested in talking to us, if you have a subject you're particularly passionate about and want to share some knowledge with us, we would love to mm-hmm. hand over the reins and do some learning. Yeah, and like, go to the website mm-hmm. and put your email address in so you'll get a, an email whenever we have a new episode. And you'll hear all our. Mm -hmm. socials at the end of the podcast i think Mm -hmm. but basically if you search alewives podcast you'll find us Mm -hmm. on instagram the other day i guess there's a new brewery opening somewhere that's Mm -hmm. calling themselves alewives and they followed us oh dang cool (laughs) i wonder if they were like looking for other handles like theirs and then saw yeah ours um that's funny and i almost like messaged them but was like nah well, I think there's a, an Alewives Brewery, like, in New York or something. Mm-hmm. I think there was another, like, a blog or a semi, some other kind of social outlet that was called Alewives, but it, it hadn't been mm-hmm. operational in a while. Right. But I'll have to look this one up. It may have been, like, Alewives something. It was a newer one. It okay. looks like it was a newer, newish hmm. brewery, so. Um, anyway, that was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't say that I've been the most active since our hiatus, so I'm going to try and kick that up a little bit more. <laughs> we do have a Facebook group. It is completely inactive, but that's yeah. more for, like, conversations amongst folks. So if you want to get in there and, and start some convos, great. Um, I, we just don't have anybody there right now. Um, but if you're looking to connect with other ladies, you know, even now... There was someone on Twitter that I saw who posted, like, I'm a female brewer. I've been trying so hard to, like, find other female brewers and to form these connections. Can anybody help me? I just can't find anything. And being as immersed in it as I feel like I am now, that was shocking to me as someone who's in the industry and couldn't find that. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, Pink Boots exists solely for that. Right. Uh, But the way Twitter just 
really jumped in and was like, there are so many people. And a lot of people were like, hey, me, I'm a female <laughs> brewer. I'm, mm-hmm. And so I started, like, following them. And, like, you know, I just think it, the more I build that network, the more opportunities we have to talk to ladies who do this. We have a couple of um, women who have been taking the certified Cicerone exam who follow us and mm. have kind of engaged with us a little bit. And I would really love to hear how they're doing mm-hmm. with that and what that I would love to talk to a woman who's done it and and talk about what that process looks like mm-hmm. um because I feel like what we're doing is like the like lamest of layman's version of it where we're kind of building the history and we're looking at the styles and the profiles of course we're not doing the tasting in the way that you would and we're not getting the same level of of um rigor or no rigor whatsoever. So I would really be interested in hearing what that looks like for them and what the important things are and what they're looking for and what they learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that'd be really cool. But anyway, so yeah. Cool. We did another episode. <laughs> and we're getting, I mean, I think we released our first one in March. I think so. Was it? But we started talking about it. In January. Yeah. Absolutely. It was the new yeah. year for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we are, we are a year old. Almost. So cute. Mm-hmm. Do we get to have a party? Fuck yeah, we should have a party. Okay. cool. Hey, that's something you could let us know. Are you interested in joining in on an Alewives one year birthday party? Because <laughs> how rad would that be? That would be pretty rad. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Yep. Reach out Thank to us. You. Follow us and we'll... Be our friends. Yeah, be our friends. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll be talking to you in your ear holes in another couple weeks. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Bye. Bye. So if you like what you hear, share it with some friends. You can find us on Twitter, Untapped, and Snapchat at alewives underscore pod. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at alewives underscore podcast. Just search Alewives Podcast on Facebook. You can find our, our fan page there. And then you can also email us at alewives.podcast at gmail.com. And that is A-L-E-W-I-V-E-S dot podcast at gmail.com. So if you want to check out resources for this episode, anything that I used to research or anything like that, you can go to our website, which is alewivespodcast.com. You can also uh, see any photos additional blog posts you can contact us through there check out our socials through there as well yep everything's there all right we look forward to the next one yeah bye bye